Greetings, friends. Glad to have you with us here on the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky, your host, reporting for duty. Uh, indeed, a busy day. Tulsi Gabbard announcing she has left the GOP. I mean, the Democratic Party, excuse me, and not necessarily for the GOP. I'm going to get into that uh, in a moment. Uh, we also, of course, have some interesting developments on development on the vaccine front. And the race, the race for the House, the races for the Senate, the midterms coming up, lots of ground being gained by Republicans, overall positive news, still a matter requiring us all to go out and vote. It'll be essential, particularly here in Nevada, and I'll get into that as the hour goes on. Now, I want to bring it to something local that really matters to me, and I know it matters to you, because... It's more than about this particular lawsuit that I'm going to explain in a moment. It's, in fact, a lot more than just this particular school here in our community that has, well, that I've spoken about before. And I want to back up and and just get at this right now. The reason it's more than just about these one institution, these individuals, is because I think this is one of the great struggles of our time. So the RJ today reporting that a longtime teacher at the Meadows School, a lady by the name of Melissa Wolfbrandt, filed a suit in U.S. District Court. I've had a chance to review this particular lawsuit uh, very well put together, a tight 14 pages. You know, I always, as a lawyer, look at count of pages. I am a firm believer that less is more. Some lawyers cannot stop writing or cannot stop speaking. And, uh, and it's not always a good thing. This is a very well-presented claim. These are allegations, of course, against the Meadows School that she was wrongfully terminated. Now, in this suit, Ms. Wolfbrandt alleges a number of things quite disturbing. One that, of course, she was singled out by the now former head of school, uh, this gentleman we've spoken to you about uh, before, Jeremy uh, Gregerson. Now, Gregerson was, uh, my sources tell me, fired last year, asked to resign. He left the school under pressure from all sorts of issues that were rising related to fundraising. By the way, fundraising at the school, this used to be the way the school uh, was able to carry forward, apparently down by 60-70% minimum. But more on that in a minute. So this is an employment law claim. Now, why is it important? Why are we talking about it here on a current events-driven political show? And the reason is, is that Meadows is a a perfect miniature example of what has happened to education in this country, and even, frankly, education right here at home in Las Vegas. The Meadows School, for those of you not in the know, founded by Carolyn Goodman, who now is our mayor, And her and Oscar Goodman put this thing together, frankly, by going around to their friends, people they knew, to donate money and create what once was the best school in Las Vegas. The original lot was donated, uh, the temporary lot for the school, fun fact, was donated by a guy I know, Ted Jones, who goes by, of course, his full name is Fletcher Jones Jr. Some of you might know who that is. 
So he uh, donated a lot. The temporary school was there back in the 80s and eventually uh, went on land donated by the Howard Hughes Corp. And that's the present-day campus up in Summerlin. And basically, the school slowly got built and put together through a lot of very charitable donations from people all over the valley, wealthy Las Vegans, names you would recognize, great families that have done much to build up this town. Originally, the school was all about the basics, right? Reading, writing, arithmetic. Teach the kids how to think, how to write, how to reason. And students that left the school were among the best of the best nationally. And this was, in my view, Carolyn Goodman's crowning achievement. Until a group of woke ideologues hijacked the board and installed this clown, Jeremy Gregerson. Now, Gregerson was a longtime English teacher. I've had people uh, tell me, remember him as an English teacher at the school. You know, he's was always an ideologically driven guy. Not a lot of good people skills, certainly no managerial talent, zero fundraising ability, and a 100% devoted liberal woke progressive. Now, you know, Carolyn Goodman had uh, about some health problems, then later, you know, became mayor, got busy with life and stepped down from the school. And in her absence, this thing has gone from, from, from good to terrible. It is amazing, by the way, side note, how left-wing ideology absolutely destroys everything it touches. We know this. We know this very well. Now, one of the problems is that there have been a, a number of individuals join the board. One of them actually a local guy, quite a bit of money. Bob Bogner is his name. Uh, neither here nor there, but he is a, a gay man who has um, a, a tremendous amount of money. But he's, he's absolutely dedicated to using that money to put out all this, well, the DEI stuff, right? The diversity, you know, uh, and it, it, all of the diversity programs there at the school and has used this money at a time when other fundraising has dried up to get his way. Now, there's not the only one. There's others in there who have facilitated this. Now, even with... Uh, Gregerson, the head of school, gone. This problem persists. And I think you'll remember last year I, I mentioned to you that there was a student, a letter was shared with me by a member of the community who was lamenting the fact that their diversity, equity, inclusion plan really left him out in the cold. In particular, during Gay Pride Week, uh, students were asked to wear pride pins, little ribbons or bracelets or some kind of token of their support for the gay community, which is fine, right? And by the way, I'll tell you my personal thoughts on this is I am a 100% die-in-the-wool, dedicated equality person. I believe, though, unfortunately for the, for the radicals, I believe in real equality, right? I believe in equality of races and required equality of, uh, of sexual orientation. I, I just believe we're all equal. At the end of the day, it's just, we're same. And I also believe another thing, which is really important. I believe we need to leave the kids alone, right? I don't know that elementary school kids need to deal with these issues and have it thrust and put in their faces. They don't need to be proselytized to, in other words. And you certainly know my position on surgical transitioning for anyone under the age of 18. Look, you're not an adult. 
uh, and and uh, just I, I'm, it's a separate discussion. But I am all about equality. The problem is, and this kid writes it here. He is a, there's a board apparently. He calls it the "You Can Be an Ally" poster. Suggests that students who support people who identify with LGBTQ plus can write their name on a card to display and receive a rainbow bracelet as a reward. Now it sounds inclusive, right? What he writes is it actually is part of a much larger harmful agenda. If a, if a student chooses not to add their name for religious or personal reasons, they become identified as not having a rainbow bracelet. And then he talks about how he can get a, basically abuse hurled at him in front of teachers and administrators. Nothing was done. Because, of course, we know that diversity, equity, and inclusion doesn't mean what it says. Language, like so many things, perverted by leftist ideologues. The true meaning of that is actually something quite different. It's added benefits, prestige, and power for those, well, who ascribe social value to groups of their choosing, right? We decide that this is a group that gets special privileges. So we now control the gates of that power and the prestige that comes with it. So they have a diversity run at the school. And, and of course, there's, there's nothing on all the posters in the hallway. And parents send me this stuff, right? I, it's a small community. I've heard from many of you, and I thank all of my sources. I see the posters. There's no pictures of any white kids. There's actually not even pictures of any Asian kids. The, the idea is, of course, it's not real diversity. It's favoring one group of people over other groups of people. Now, the real thing that's going on right now, too, this is one of those things. And so, by the way, the lawsuit is going to get at the heart of all of this because, of course, this teacher claims that she was singled out by Mr. Gregerson because she also spoke up about some of these things I'm discussing. Every single teacher and administrator who has stood up to this Gregerson guy before he got himself canned basically was terminated some way, somehow, or was forced to leave. There's a math teacher at the school um, that I have it on good information. The allegation is that he was told by Gregerson himself to change grades. He refused to do so. Gregerson made his life miserable, and he quit. This was a multi-multi-year veteran math teacher at Meadows, the kind of caliber of teacher you want teaching your kids. There's a sixth grader right now, apparently, in this school who's trans transitioning. That's okay between, you know, him and his parents. The problem is sometimes he goes to the girls' locker room and sometimes she goes to the girls' locker room. Boys' locker room, girls' locker room. Sorry, I messed that up. Back and forth and forth and back. And parents are reaching out and going, this is crazy. My girls are uncomfortable. And all of this, right, when the wokeness takes precedence over the safety and comfort of, I mean, how do I say this, right? you know, 99% uh, of the other kids, that's when we've lost our minds. That's when someone, an adult in the room, needs to stand up and say, okay, enough. 
We need to find a way to be compassionate to a child that is going through something, whatever it is, and also at the same time, respect that we need to create a place of safety for the rest of the kids. I have an 11 year old daughter. She's in the sixth, yeah, sixth grade this year. She's going through some, you know, physical evolutionary changes, right? That are, you know, puberty. I, I don't think she would, I, I, I cannot even imagine if at, at her school, she had a boy going into her locker room. And don't get crazy on me. That's what this person is physically. The potential for harm here is tremendous. And that we are perfectly willing to harm our young women at the expense of the, you know, accommodating a young trans student to me is not okay. See, we live in a society where there are, there are compromises that must be born. We also live in a democracy and there's certain deferences given to the needs of the majority. But we also can't just throw out our you know, common sense. And that's precisely what's going on here. I believe, by the way, this, <laughs> this teacher that was let go is a PE teacher. Uh, I understand that part of her concerns was some of this stuff. So, of course, what happens in these lawsuits, uh, you file a lawsuit. It's, it's in federal court, which is big boy court. I mean, that is these judges. These are not local Nevada judges that can make things go away. These are federal jurists. So this case will be heard because she makes allegations of violations of federal law and constitutional matters. So what she will do is she will files her case, right? Then her attorneys go and uh, start uh, pushing for discovery. And they can subpoena records. They can subpoena information. They can subpoena communications between board members and Mr. Gregerson. I think we're about to get a nice, good, long, hard look at how the school has been, has been run and operated. The stories are frankly too numerous to list. And again, I've, had, I've sat here in my office with former teachers who've told me their story. Absolutely uh, astonishing stuff. And all of this from a school that ought to be the number one school in Nevada and a calling card for our, our entire, for our state in the entire country. It is an absolute rotten shame. Now, I, by the way, I'm not throwing the entire board under the bus. In fact, I had a board member recently uh, come up to me who is this person has it up to their gills <laughs> in terms of the wackiness that's going on they remain on the board just to i mean just to kind of try to hold it down for the love of the school that this person has and you know and i i you know i know they pass me and and they say sam you know keep at this because somebody has to has to talk openly about it one thing i will always do here you know even 
I, I will name names and I will be as honest and forthright with you as I possibly can. And it just bothers me. It bothers me when people throw their money around in an effort to affect and indoctrinate our young people. You know what I want taught in school? I, I don't want CRT in schools. Because by the way, another component, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't need our kids being inundated with things that ought to be taught at home sexuality, gender, all this stuff, right? They're not ready for it in the fifth grade, the third grade, the second grade. Schools ought to stick to the basics, teach what matters, and most importantly, foster an environment of of true equality, of true inclusion, which is not their definition of it. Their definition is to single out people who disagree with them and destroy them. To go along with us or or we will roll right over you. That is their actual agenda. It's so un-American. It's unacceptable. It doesn't belong in this country. It doesn't belong in this community. So I, for one, am looking forward to this lawsuit. Cannot wait for discovery to start rolling and and the folks over there at Meadows, Mr. Gregerson has taken a job in New Jersey. He's out of here. Uh, but I think some of the trustees who have played a role in all this nonsense, I am excited for the temperature to start turning up. Sam Rajofsky, I'll be back to talk to you about, well, I'll talk to you about the Pfizer thing. I gotta, this vaccine is uh, this a bit of testimony that came out of Europe, which is fascinating. You'll enjoy this. I'll be back in a moment. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840. KXNT. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends. All right. Did anyone... I'm asking this somewhat rhetorically, have problems getting around during COVID if they weren't vaccinated. <laughs> Show of hands, I see a few of you out there. Excellent. Sam Rajovsky here, by the way. You're listening to the What's Right Show. I thought, as a matter of principle, that the idea of vaccine passports was that you, by virtue of being vaccinated, were less likely to transmit the virus. It wasn't about your safety. It was about everybody else. So the whole don't be a douchebag by going around um, unvaccinated, spreading the virus willy-nilly everywhere you went. I mean, that was the entire premise. Don't get vaccinated for yourself. Get vaccinated for, for your mom, for grandma, for other people. Be a responsible citizen. So yesterday in the uh, European Parliament, a member of Parliament from the Netherlands, from Holland, a Dutchman by the name of Rob Roos, asked the Pfizer executive in Europe, a woman, insufferable creature named Janine Small, asked her, so the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market. If not, please say clearly, this data with the committee. Here was her answer. 
Regarding the question around um, did we know about stopping humanisation before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. We had to move at the speed of science. They had no idea. They didn't test it. If it actually prevented transmission, which of course it does not, as we have learned. All of that nonsense, all of that tyranny imposed on us for nothing. All right. Now kids are dropping dead. Florida Attorney General speaking on this when we return. Don't go anywhere. Sam Rajofsky, The What's Right Show, continues after news and the weather. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Yeah, Sam Rajovsky here. Grateful to be with you. Uh, look, friends, I have to say this. Um, uh, I'm, I'm pleased uh, to say that I'm glad that some of the stuff on the vaccines is coming through finally. Uh, and they're admitting the quiet part aloud. I just played the clip of the person who, uh, well, let's just say that one of these uh, scientists in charge of Pfizer admitting that they didn't test to the European Parliament, admitting that they didn't test the vaccine for its efficacy against transmission, which, by the way, I mean, again, uh, two parts to a vaccine, right? You don't get it. You also are not transmitting it. Uh, we were told, of course, that we needed to take the vaccine for the responsibility that we had to society to not pass it along to our friends, family members, and others. Here is the European Member of Parliament. This is a Dutchman. Uh, speaking is actually really well put. His name is Rob Roos. I just want to play this real quickly here. This was his uh, thoughts on this entire matter and why it was so important uh, that this vaccine, in fact, was oversold to us. If you don't get vaccinated, you're antisocial. This is what the Dutch Prime Minister and Health Minister told us. You don't get vaccinated just for yourself, but also for others. You do it for all of society. That's what I said. Today, this turned out to be complete nonsense. In a COVID hearing in the European Parliament, one of the Pfizer directors just admitted to me, at the time of introduction, the vaccine had never been tested on stopping the transmission of the virus. This removes the entire legal basis for the COVID passport. The COVID passport that led to massive institutional discrimination as people lost access to essential parts of society. I find this to be shocking, even criminal. Shocking and even criminal. Remember in Europe, for example, countries like, uh, like France, they had the past sanitaire. You couldn't get anywhere without it. If you weren't vaccinated, you were relegated to a, a second-class citizen status. Couldn't take the train, couldn't go to the theater, couldn't go to the movies, couldn't go to restaurants, couldn't go to coffee shop. You're stuck at home. You go out to the park, I guess. It's worse than being a smoker in California. And all of it for nothing. And they waited until, I don't know, until everything was all said and done and over to admit 
that they never did the testing on this. I, I hope that politicians and lawyers everywhere where this was pushed down our throats follow up on it and, of course, uh, see to it that, uh, that these people are held to account. Now, in Florida, uh, there is a, a brave attorney general, a surgeon general, excuse me, Joseph Latipun. Uh, he spoke uh, last night to Tucker Carlson about the vaccine and about cardiac deaths among youths. Listen to him. If it had been known two years ago or so that this vaccine would increase cardiac deaths in young men by 84%, would they have approved it? The obvious answer is no, you would never give something to someone who was young and healthy and increase their risk of dying from from sudden cardiac death by 84%. But people are often, their response is, well, you know, I don't know, COVID's pretty bad. Yes, COVID can be terrible, but we don't give people medications that kill them. And greater point here is that the entire premise of giving young people the vaccine was so that they would not get it and pass it along to their teachers and to their grandparents, etc. Right? We never had a discussion about young people dropping dead of COVID. We knew early on, fairly clearly, that that was not the case. So young people were given the vaccine. Why? Predominantly for the benefit of people who were more susceptible, who were more likely and more at risk of being adversely affected by the virus itself. How many young people have been needlessly sacrificed? And this cow, I don't know how else to put it, can cavalierly laugh as she's testifying in Parliament, the European Union. Listen to her. It's just like giggling. Regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it's entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. We had to move at the speed of science. No. They pushed this narrative to make money. There, I said it. That's the, that's it. And so again, I ask how many people needlessly died for profit. What is absolutely astounding to me is that the left that normally holds greedy corporations accountable is nowhere to be heard on this. They're gone. They've completely abdicated any oversight of this brazen uh, heist. It's it, to me, it's and look, by the way, I'm I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I'm a consumer attorney. I'm an, I'm a personal injury attorney it, I'll, from the beginning. I told you what my problem was with the vax. And those of you who've listened for a while, you know exactly you know, what, what it was. You know, Ash, for example, my partner, my law partner, we don't see eye to eye on everything, but we did from the beginning on this. We both didn't like the fact that the government here under Trump, extended under, Obama, uh, under Biden, gave immunities to these drug manufacturers, shielding them from lawsuit from any adverse reactions that these vaccines could possibly have. So you get the vaccine, your child gets the vaccine, your kid drops dead, 
they do a, you know, they, they find out, they figure out, oh, it's because of the vax. You can't sue Pfizer. You can't sue Johnson Johnson. The government has taken away your rights. So if I don't have any recourse, if I can't hold somebody accountable for killing my kid, guess what? I'm not really that excited about giving it to my kid. And the fact that when I stood up and said this, so many of you, not you, but so many people around this town, I heard a familiar refrain. Attorney Sam Rajovsky wants people to die of COVID. See, that's such an, in, you know, just it's absurd position. And now it's hitting the fan. We're, we're starting to figure out that there's some consequences to all this stuff. And, uh, and it's, it's perplexing to me that, um, that all the people that were yelling the loudest are nowhere to be heard. Cowards and shame on you. I know who you are. By the way, I have screenshots of some of those tweets. I will come after you. Sooner or later, there will be an opportunity to rub your face in it. I don't forget. Now, what I hope we don't forget going into the election is how on razor's edge this is. Real clear politics giving a plus two advantage in the Senate for Republicans. Incidentally, one of the two states that's likely to flip is Nevada. Right here, Adam Laxalt uh, is looking. He's got a 1.8% edge. That's nothing, right? It's nil. But the race seems to be tilting his way. It's a fascinating thing. The other part of this that is starting to shift, by the way, is in light of the stabbing that occurred here last week, in light of a number of crimes perpetrated by illegal immigrants, we're starting to realize that maybe having an open border where thousands of people stream across that we have no idea who they are every day, that might be a problem and particularly among independents and rational thinking people, now there is some, you know, uh, cause and effect there that people can see. So we're going to take a quick break, but I want to get into a moment where J.D. Vance is another guy who's running in Ohio for Senate, Trump candidate, running against Representative Tim Ryan for that open seat. Uh, he really, in a debate last night nailed it to Tim Ryan on illegal immigration because Tim Ryan went in with the old abortion thing. Abortion, abortion, abortion. Well, guess what? Vance turns it around on him, and this is textbook in how Republicans ought to fight to win. Sam Rajovsky, The What's Right Show. I'm back in a moment. The What's Right Show, continuing here on News Talk 840, KXNT. So yes, we had a debate last night in Ohio, critical debate. Some polls show that J.D. Vance, the Senate candidate, trailing his opponent, uh, who is a sitting congressman. Okay, so uh, basically, a popular thinking is something like this. The Senate has tremendous power over... Uh, well, you know, limiting abortion nationally. And as a consequence, the edge goes to the Democrats because of public sentiment on that issue. Well, J.D. Vance in the debate last night absolutely turns it around on his opponent. And then I would, I, I think in my view, delivers something akin to a death blow. Listen to this. 
Look, I've always believed in reasonable exceptions. This is a misrepresentation of my view. But let, let, let's hear it from me, not from Congressman Ryan. Uh, I, I absolutely think the 10-year-old girl, the case that we've, of course, heard a lot about, an incredibly tragic situation. I mean, look, I've got a 9-year-old baby girl at home. I cannot imagine what's that, what that's like for the girl, for her family. God forbid something that, like that would happen. I have said repeatedly on the record that I think that that girl should be able to get an abortion if she and her family so choose to do so. But let's talk about that case. Because why was a 10-year-old girl raped in our community, raped in our state in the first place? The thing the media and Congressman Ryan, they talk about this all the time, the thing they never mentioned is that poor girl was raped by an illegal alien, somebody that should have never been in this state in the first place. You voted so many times against border wall funding, so many times for amnesty, Tim. If you had done your job, she would have never been raped in the first place. Do your job on border security. Don't lecture me about opinions I don't actually have. I don't know if that was a bell like a knockout, knockout ring bell or if it was time was up. I mean, but if that was a boxing match with words, the, his uh, Tim Ryan was on the mat. Ding Ding is right. Oh my gosh, he smoked him. Don't lecture me about opinions I don't actually have. This girl wouldn't have been raped if this person hadn't been in the country. Sound familiar? Just like here in Nevada. So I, you know, I love all these ads. You know, Ms. Masto frantically trying to keep her seat in the Senate, accusing Adam Laxalt of being something he's not, dealing with all this, uh, you know, abortion stuff. Look, it's, again, I understand it's important to people. I've told you my position on it, where I think there's a compromised position out there. The idea of, you know, in Nevada, I think we're at 24 weeks, right? So it's, we're, you know, we're somewhere in that zone of, of compromise. There's not a lot that can be done nationally. The, 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 the matter has been given to the states to decide. We've already decided it here. That's the real secret. So these ads are all just completely disingenuous here at home. But here, J.D. Vance nails it. Laxalt should take a page out of this book and go at it head on. Because the real thing that we need to address and get serious about is all of these bad people flooding into the country. And of course there's some bad people in there. Why wouldn't there be? We don't get to pick and choose who comes in. It's absurd that we don't. And again, those of you who don't know me, think I am speaking as some waspy, you know, jerk whose great, great somethings came over on the Mayflower. My parents emigrated to this country legally. And it was tough. So I am I, I'm, I, I'm proud to have that be part of my story at the same time. I mean, you'll, you'll find no people more opposed to illegal immigration than my parents who came of course here illegally had to do a lot of paperwork wait pay money go to interviews get visas at first and then then doc I mean, it's just it was a nightmare it was a big big deal they wouldn't want to be anywhere else by the way they love this country And so, yeah, some people come here uh, illegally and they make a great life of themselves and, and for themselves and they're tremendous model citizens. I understand that. My point is that we ought to screen people before they come in. I am all for more immigration. I'm all for opening our doors. 
I just want there to be a turnstile, you know, where we have a count and some quality control. Every country on the planet does this, except for us. And it's because we have a political system that benefits from the chaos that is brought by this, uh, by the lack of enforcement here of, of our existing laws, frankly. So here is um, what uh, finally I want to end with here. Tulsi Gabbard frustrated with the Democratic Party. Uh, she is, of course, a Democrat who for a long time has been considered an independent voice within the party. And I, I love what she had to say. Here is uh, a first a clip of Miss uh, Gabbard talking about some of her motives for the change. I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness, who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism, who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution, who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Well, it is funny. Um, certainly the, uh, the Democratic Party right now is uh, keen on uh, engaging in the conflict in the Ukraine war, and that she's alluding to there at the end, I, I, I think setting that aside for a moment, uh, certainly uh, sympathize with her on the uh, stoking anti-white racism bit, hostility to faithful people, right? Back to how we opened the show today, Meadows School here in Las Vegas, right? Diversity, equality, and inclusion does not mean reaching out and celebrating Catholic students, okay? I'm just gonna throw that out there. The Mormon kids, they don't get, you know, they're not, they're not part of the equality, inclusive, inclusiveness, diversity that's being quote unquote celebrated on campus. And it's, you know, microcosm, of course, for what's happening in our society writ large. Now, she continues explaining what she's going to do and how uh what you know why she's why she's moving on i believe in a government that's of the people by the people and for the people unfortunately today's democratic party does not instead it stands for a government that is of by and for the powerful elite now i'm calling on my fellow common sense independent-minded democrats to join me in leaving the democratic party if you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke Democratic Party ideologues are taking our country, then I invite you to join me. Well, remember when I told you that all the stories about the Republican Party being in disarray, right? You've got the Trumps, the never-Trumpers. You've got these different factions, right? Mobilizing against each other, the internal war within the Republican Party. And I said to you, ah, friends, anyone who tries to sell you on the fact that the Democratic Party right now is united and that everything is hunky-dory is out to lunch. 
whatever they're smoking, I want some of it come Friday night, right? Because this is, by the way, she speaks for a lot of people. And unlike the the anti-Trump, you know, Lincoln Project Republicans that are just vitriolic about Trump and they don't like Trump because he, you know, he crashed their party at the country club. Uh, this is principled and based on issues. She doesn't mention anyone by name. Notice that? She's not picking at AOC or anybody else in the squad. She's just saying these are my these are these positions that my party is taking, I am not compatible with. And on that level, this is admirable. And every every person who's a never Trumper or an anti-Trump person ought to realize that you know internally in the Republican Party, we you agree with his positions. You may not like the guy, pick a different candidate, but celebrate the position. And that's why I think there's actually a lot more unity in the Republican Party is we agree on the positions. We agree, you know, by and large on the direction where the party needs to go. There's popular support behind conservatism. The Democratic Party used to be united, no longer is. So uh, this is something we can take advantage of. All right, that's the music. I got to run. Have a wonderful afternoon and evening. I'll see you here tomorrow, 2 p.m. on Newstalk 840 KXNT.